Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of February 13, 2022. Our first announcement this week is about Roundabout. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind is excited to announce that, beginning in March, we will hold two hybrid roundabouts each month. We also will be experimenting with a new day and time for roundabout so we can find out what works best, both for people who can attend in person and for those who will continue to participate on Zoom. Here are some details. First, Roundabout will move from Friday evening to Saturday afternoon, beginning on March 5. The virtual roundabout will meet every Saturday from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the KCB Zoom line. As usual, there will be speakers, discussion topics, trivia, bingo, and other games. The in-person roundabouts will be on the first and third Saturdays of the month at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. Doors will open at 1 p.m. Between 1 and 2, we'll provide one-on-one help by request with iPhones and iPads, Braille, hobbies like needle crafts or genealogy, and much more. From 2 to 4 p.m., we'll join the Zoom line for program and fun with our virtual participants. And then from 4 to 6, we'll have dinner, followed by social time and a bargain table as time permits. Listen to Soundprints and watch the KCB email list for more details about Soundprints. Also be sure to give us feedback and your suggestions. You can call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. By the way, these changes are planned for March, April, May, and June. We will then be assessing the program and making further plans at that point. Employee Announcement from the American Council of the Blind. This information was posted by Eric Bridges on Monday, February 14, just before 10 a.m. On behalf of the American Council of the Blind, I am proud to announce the newest member of our team, Rick Morin. On March 1, Rick will join us as ACB Media and IT Manager. He will oversee the day-to-day activities and management of the ACB Media Network, including providing data-driven strategic direction, website management, supporting the IT infrastructure, and overseeing ACB Media content, virtual events, and audio teams. Most recently, Rick worked as the Technical Director of the ACB Media Network. There, he operated the IT infrastructure, supervised volunteers, managed the 10 audio streams, and created and implemented standard operating procedures. Rick has also provided audiovisual support to ACB's board meetings and other events. Rick previously served as a presenter and producer for ACB Media, where he edited and produced all recordings and podcasts for ACB conventions. Rick has been involved with ACB Media for 12 years. 
We are very excited to have Rick on our team, and we look forward to all of his positive contributions for ACB. Join me in welcoming Rick by sending him a message at rmorin, M-O-R-I-N, at acb.org. Eric Bridges, Executive Director, American Council of the Blind. On Friday, February 11, ACB announced its 2022 legislative imperatives. ACB urges members of Congress to support these key issues, including the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act, the Website and Application Accessibility Act, and the Communications and Video Accessibility Act. We'll be bringing you many details about these imperatives in the next couple of sound prints, but in the meantime, if you'd like to read them for yourselves, you can find them at https colon slash slash www.acb.org slash 2022-legislative-imperatives, I-M-P-E-R-A-T-I-V-E-S. The following events are on the KCB Zoom line. Join them using your computer, cell phone, or landline by dialing 669-900-6833 and entering the code 862-9889-6972. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision invites you to participate in its Low Vision Support Call on Wednesday, February 16 at 8 p.m. This week, we'll be learning how to enter contacts into our phones and other devices and discovering how contacts can make our lives easier. Also, feel free to bring your questions about living with low vision and share any low vision tips and tricks you may have as well. Each year, the American Council of the Blind chooses three to four legislative imperatives that are of special importance to people who are blind and visually impaired. One of those imperatives this year is increasing the accessibility of medical equipment. Tom Tobin, former ACB Director of Development from Cleveland, Ohio, is the new president of ACB Diabetics, an ACB special interest affiliate. He'll be on hand at the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout on Friday, February 18, to talk about new initiatives in ACB Diabetics, the current status of diabetes-related equipment, such as continuous glucose monitors and insulin pumps, and the importance of legislation requiring the inclusion of accessible features in many different types of medical equipment. Be a part of the discussion from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time this coming Friday, February 18, on the KCB Zoom line. This month, the Tri-State Library users is reading Rat Race by Dick Francis, available from both Bard and Bookshare. Be sure to race to read this book and join us for the book club and business meeting on Saturday, February 19 at 11 a.m., again on the KCB Zoom line. Get ready for Page Turners, coming up on Friday, February 25 at the GLCB Roundabout. Share your favorite books Tell us about the authors you like. Hear about books others have read. 
Page Turners is sponsored by the Tri-State Library Users, which is a chapter of both the Kentucky Council of the Blind and the Library Users of America, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. All are welcome. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind invites everyone to its social hour on Wednesday, February 16, and Wednesday, February 23, from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Sometimes there's a speaker, but there's always good conversation. The Zoom number for this call is 669-900-6833, and the code is 763-689-4411. The passcode, should you need it, is 25852. We still have at least a month of winter left to go, but you know summer isn't far away when the planning begins for the ACB National Conference and Convention. Janet Dickelman, ACB Convention Coordinator, visits with us for the first time in 2022 on page 2. Our last in-person convention was in 2019 in Rochester, New York. Since then, we've held two exciting virtual conventions on Zoom and on ACB Media. Now our thoughts are turning toward holding an in-person convention in Omaha, Nebraska this coming July. But since we now know that people at home can and will participate as well, this convention will have many different features than those of the past. Just the schedule will be very different for this hybrid convention. Get caught up on all the plans for ACB in June and July as Janet reviews the tentative schedule for us. On page 3, you'll find features for three food-related articles from allrecipes.com. Discover how to store eggs, how to freeze cheese, and how to make a great pot of potato soup. Here's a new schedule listing the times that Soundprints is heard on ACB Media 1. Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Monday at 8 a.m. Eastern, Tuesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern, Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, and Friday at 1 a.m., 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern. You can also listen to Soundprints by calling the KCB Information Line at 773-572-6318. Soundprints can be heard 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on our Information Line. Don't miss a single issue. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future shows. Give us a call at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Page 2. I'm talking today with Janet Dickelman, who is the convention coordinator with the American Council of the Blind. And Janet has had the real interesting experience of uh, coordinating many conventions that were in person up until through, uh, through 2019, the Rochester Convention, and then had to shift gears and do two virtual conventions in 2020 and 2021 because of the coronavirus. And now this year, we're hoping to be able to have an in-person convention, and that one's in Omaha, Nebraska. But it's going to be hybrid, 
And um, so there will be things that will be uh, available on Zoom and on ACB Media, but also in person. And uh, it's just a real interesting mix and a very different mix of activities. So I've asked Janet to come today to talk to us about the changes that have happened and are happening within the ACB convention, how it's no longer just convention week, how it's no longer just people participating who are right there, how some things will be in person, some will be hybrid, some will be um, Zoom only. And, and Janet, there's just so much to talk about. So thanks for being on Soundprints today, and I'm going to let you just start wherever you'd like to begin and get us familiar with this new schedule and new way of doing things. All right. Well, thank you as always for having me. I always know when, you know, convention time's approaching because I start getting busier and Soundprint starts having me on the show. So it's always fun to be here. Thank you very much. Um, yes, this is a very interesting new world. I was emailing someone just earlier today and I said, yeah, back in the olden days in 2019 when we did this, but now things have certainly changed. And um, we are tr in a new world, and we are going to be hybrid as much of our convention as possible this year. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we're going to do that are a little bit different from what we've had in the past. First of all, our auction is going to be held virtually this year, which is going to really allow a lot of people to attend. And I think this is going to be very, uh, very fun. We know that the ACB radio auction at the holidays has really done well. And I think in a virtual environment, our auction is going to be, I know last year it was a great event. Um, the auction is going to be on Saturday, June 18th. So just prior to, as convention is getting geared up, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say, because Leslie Spoon will be saying to me, don't forget my sneak-a-peak appetizer auctions, which we always do a couple of days of virtual uh, via computer auction items, and that's always fun when we get all the emails seeing what the high bid is and trying to outbid each other. So the auction, as I said, will be the evening of June 18th. And then we are actually going to call the convention to order virtually on June 22nd. And I'll explain why in a moment. And we, that evening, are going to have the first reading of the credential, uh, the first credentials report for all the ACB affiliates to let them know about their number of delegates, uh, number of votes for the convention, rather. And we will also have the reading of the standing rules for the convention. And the reason we're doing that is beginning June 23rd, we are having three days of Zoom-only convention events. And this is a great time for our for affiliates that need to hold business meetings that have to be a part of the convention. That's why we're calling the convention to order on the 22nd, so that if you have an affiliate that has to hold its business meeting during the convention, they will be able to do that. But it's not just for business meetings for affiliates. It's We have a lot of people who have already said they're going to do their programming virtually those three days. So it's Thursday, June 23rd, Friday the 24th, and Saturday the 25th. And we have things going on 
that um, the Friends in Art Showcase has decided that they're going to have their showcase virtually. So they're going to do that one evening during these three days of virtual convention. Um, we have a couple of primetime evening events, one from the Audio Description Project and one from uh, the Information Access Committee. We're also going to hold our nominating committee during that time for affiliates um, to attend a representative from each affiliate, state and local affiliate, state, local, state and special interest affiliate, I should say, will be there, and that will be held on the 23rd. So this will enable people who aren't able to come to Omaha in person to be a part of these first few days of our virtual convention. Then on July 1st, the in-person portion of the convention will begin in, as Carla said, Omaha, Nebraska at the Hilton in Omaha. And I want to say that I think people will be very happy with the venue in Omaha. It's a very nice hotel. There are lots of restaurants within walking distance of the hotel. And we have a myriad of really fun and interesting tours that I'll come back and talk about another time. So, um, But we have some really good tours going on. So I really encourage everyone who's able to come and join us in person. However, if you're not able to join us in person, we are going to have many of our sessions are going to be hybrid. And I looked up the definition of hybrid in the dictionary a couple of weeks ago when I was writing an article for the Braille Forum. And, of course, the dictionary hasn't been updated to um, – encompass what we now know as hybrid, but hybrid will be sessions that are in person and they will also be streamed on ACB media and they will be held via the, available via the Zoom platform. So if you're not able to be in Omaha, you can listen on ACB media or you can join via Zoom. And at any given time, we will have the availability of having up to four quote, hybrid sessions throughout during the convention in-person days. And, of course, our general sessions, which are opening in-person general session, begins Saturday evening, July 2nd, runs every morning, Sunday the 3rd through Wednesday the 6th, and then is scheduled all day on July 7th. And that will be in the virtual environment, so you can attend three different ways, as, as stated. Um, we are also going to have sessions that are not going to be hybrid during the convention. A lot of our in-person social events are not going to be hybrid. So they will be in a meeting room. There will be some other sessions that will also be in a standard, old-fashioned, prior to 2020 meeting room style. And if we can't have everything hybrid, we will be able to record those sessions and they will be available as podcasts as soon as possible. All of our sessions that are hybrid will also be available as podcasts. Sessions that are not streamed live on ACB Media will most likely be streamed at another point for anyone to enjoy. And as I said, they will be available via podcast. But that's not all. Starting on Monday, July 11th, the evenings of the 11th, 12th, and 13th, we are going to have ending convention virtual sessions where we will 
discuss and vote on resolutions and constitution and bylaw amendments that were not acted upon during the convention that needed additional debate or additional rewrite. So we will have availability those three evenings for to con complete that business. So basically, we have a few weeks of convention. Of course, we have the eight days in person with all, and the rest of it is available via Zoom. All times when we send out information, all times for the convention are going to be listed as central time zone because we're in Omaha, so we always go by the time zone of the city of the convention. So um, anything that you read with times will be central time. Uh, I know I've thrown out a lot of information. Carla, any clarifications that you'd like me to make or additions? I think you've, you've given us a great uh, overview of it. I, I think that one of the questions that people have is uh, maybe we could go into the maybe the voting uh, process a little bit. And uh, sure, um, you know that might that's one topic that comes up regardless of, you know, whether the person is real serious about everything or not. Um, and, um, you know, and there's there's several other things that, that groups um, that groups want to know. But, but uh, talk to us a little bit about the voting and, and, you know, the scheduling of that type of thing. All right. I will be very happy to do that. Now, I will say that our voting task force is working diligently on getting information out to everyone. So I will speak on it as best I can. I'm not the expert, but I will sure. discuss it. And one thing I neglected to say is all of the sessions, the Zoom sessions that will start on June 23rd, they will all be listed on the convention registration form. They will also all be listed in the convention program. They are part of the convention. So when you register for the convention, you will, anyone who is registered will get the Zoom links for the Zoom sessions. All right, so let's talk a little bit about voting, we will begin our first voting on Sunday morning's general session. At that point, we will open it up for our first board of director position, and there will be nominations. There will be, if it's an uncontested election, then of course that we'll have a voice vote and um, the person would be elected by acclamation. If there are more than one person running for a particular board of directors position, we will then open it up to the candidate speeches. And then at the end of general session, we will open up. We will be using vote now as we did last year. Everyone is, will be able to vote who is a member of ACB. They will receive their unique voting ID, just as you did last year. Don't worry, you'll get a new one for this year, so you don't have to have saved the one from 2021. And you will have several hours to vote at the conclusion of opening general session. If you are in Omaha and need assistance voting, we are going to have a voting room where we will have um, ACB staff available to assist you with your voting. You can still vote, of course, via telephone, vote on your computer, on any device. For those of you who voted last year with Vote Now, it was a very easy 
process to to vote. And then the following morning, we will have the affiliate roll call. And that is where we will call for an affiliate, a delegate from every state and every special interest affiliate to cast their affiliate vote based on how many votes, dependent on how many votes that they have. So we will continue with that process until all of the board of directors are and the Board of Publications representatives have been elected, and I believe we have three, I have five board members and three Board of Publications individuals up for election. So depending on where we are as of Thursday, we will either continue with elections for those office directors and BOP members or we will start on our resolutions. We will we hope to read resolutions throughout the convention if possible so that people have, you know, are aware of them and I believe we're going to do some community calls prior to and um the convention regarding resolutions and constitutional bylaws. I know there's submission dates for those. I don't have those in front of me. I I'm not certain they haven't been determined yet to my knowledge. Um, so on the final Thursday, July 7th, we will then go to our resolutions and constitution and bylaws and we will, if there are items that need debate, we will hold those over. If we have items that can be passed by acclamation, we will go ahead and approve those at that time. So that's just a little bit about voting. We will have our affiliate roll call during our opening general session on Saturday the 2nd. And um, we will be sending out information to all the affiliates about getting their information to our secretary as to who your delegate, um, alternate delegate, and attendee for nominating committee will be. Yeah. And and, then, and that's kind of voting in a nutshell. Yeah, and, and if there's not enough time during the week? Um, we will then go to those days in July. Right. So those the 11th, 12th, and 13th. Mm-hmm. Extra yeah. days, yes. Yeah. One thing that I think... So we may not need all three of those days, the 11th, 12th, 13th. We just, you know, we don't know how it's going to, how it's all going to fall into place. Sure. And uh, but one thing they are planning on, um, and I think indicates that um, that they they did the voting task force did hear, and the board itself did hear some of the concerns that a lot of us had last summer about the process is that they are building in a system for us to uh, be able to amend the resolutions and or the Constitution bylaws things um, and bylaws, yes, on the floor, and, yes, and I think that's important, you know, uh, because you know these are these are all learning. Yes, you know they. It's kind of like they said it couldn't be done, and, and it did. It was, and I we're fine to we're fine tooth combing it this year, and we'll probably continue to do that oh, in yeah. future years. Well, you know how ACB is. Yes, uh, they'll they'll be. Um, even if it were perfect, they'd be fixing it. <laughs> you know? So that would be that would just kind of be the thing. Okay, so um, 
a greatly expanded schedule in yes. some ways. Um, but pulling pulling some of those activities, um, we were just... Out of the in-person convention is going to make it easier for people to select what they want to go to. And yes. I think a lot of people who come to the convention come for the tours, and this way they can certainly attend some of the sessions prior to um, the in-person convention. And during those three days in um, June, our uh, president plans to hold things like the ACB president's meeting and the ACB committee chair's meeting, things that would normally be, be held during the convention and maybe aren't as highly attended as they should be because there's so many things going on. This will give people, you know, the opportunity to. Exactly. Exactly. And all of the, the uh, three days of sessions in June, they will also be streamed on ACB Media. My concern initially was that people would not know, have the opportunity to know what was really going on, you know, the details. Obviously, they would see it on the registration form, but but they wouldn't see the details. And I think that, um, you know, we've really been able to address that uh, you know, with having, it, it's kind of like, somebody said, well, it's kind of like a glorified community call. And, uh, you know, the word gets That's out somebody about with those. me. People find out yep. about those. And we have ways for them. We will probably have a phone number that people yes. can call to get exactly. the information during those three days. Right, right. So you may not have your program in hand during those three days yet because people who are coming to the convention in, who are only attending virtually will request, that on the registration form we'll have a block that will ask if you're planning on attending in person or if you're planning on attending virtually. And oh. if you say yes to virtual and you have selected either a print or braille program, the print or braille program will be mailed to you. If you select that you're going to be in person, as has always been the case in the past, you will receive the print and or Braille program if you've requested that when you arrive at registration at the convention. Because obviously, you don't want to get a three-volume Braille program in the mail and and then have to bring you have flight. to bring it with you, or maybe not get it before your flight leaves, or you know. So, right, exactly. So and and. When does registration open? Registration will open for ACB members on May 12th, for non-members on May 19th, and it will close on June 20th. Wow. I don't envy you having to get all this together by then. <laughs> so it can be... Of so course. You know, we've gotten spoiled, uh, actually, in the last two years, uh, especially last year, spoiled us on timing because it started July 16, which is really late for most of our conventions over the years. Not all, but... But most. it did give us a little extra time. It did. And you know what? How quickly that could become a habit. Uh-huh. Well... <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> that is why, as convention coordinator, I am always sending out emails to the special interest affiliates and the committee chairs who are planning things for the convention, reminding them of my deadline dates. Yes. Yep. Little inside joke between Carla and I. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, goodness. But um, 
I, I think this is going to be really, really, um, really good. Uh, I think there's going to be, I mean, there are, we know that there are a number of changes, but for the for the most part, I think they're they are for the best. Um, you know, we've talked a number of years about how to bring the convention to more people and to more people, and yes, the and, virtual and, component does that. Yes, it does, and it's more than what we ever dreamed it would be. Uh, you think back just to like 2017 or 2018, yes. and we thought... As I said, we, in the olden days in 2019. Yeah, no, and we thought we were doing just doing great to broadcast the general session in the morning and maybe one or two other things in the afternoon, if we were lucky, and and then replace some of them. No. And we thought we were really hot stuff for doing that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and and we said, I remember sitting in meetings and people saying, "Well, you know, it it just can't. People out there just they just we just can't do this. We just can't um, produce this um, virtually throughout the whole convention." Um, and uh, and yet here we are. Now yeah. it's it's like you feel like your event is almost um, a second class citizen if it's not going to be on Zoom and or ACB Media. Um, But, I mean, there are some events that just don't lend themselves to a remote system. And as I said, if we can't, I'm I'm trying to be equitable and give everybody their preference for sessions that they want to have. If I have too many on a given day, I may have to move things around, or there may be a couple sessions that can't be hybrid but will be podcasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know really I have. Ki- I don't probably don't have much time. So may you, I have, give you, the hotel phone number? Yeah, please tell us um, if you want to tell us a little more um, about the hotel. You know, people want to know what well, does it have a restaurant? Well, of course it has a restaurant. But, you know, give us a it little bit have, of overview. It does have a restaurant. It has a bar area that also serves food. It has a very nice grab-and-go um, spot that sells, among many other things, you know, Starbucks coffee and sandwiches. But they also sell individual pizzas, which they'll cook for you. They have like three different varieties of frozen individual pizzas, and they'll stick them in a little pizza oven and cook them for you. And that was really handy for fast eating. Mm -hmm. Of course, we'll have our ACB Cafe also um, at the near opening general sessions. Uh And there is a little plaza about a block from the hotel that has several restaurants in. I walked over there many times when I was there this fall, and it's an easy walk. The uh, Omaha Visitors Bureau is making making sure, in conjunction with our ACB Nebraska Host Committee, that there are audible pedestrian crossings all around the hotel, so it's going to make it easy for navigation. The hotel is quite easy to get around. 
we are using the convention center, which is a straight shot down a skyway or out the hotel and across the street. Um, but it really is a straight shot on the on the it really is skyway. <laughs> it really is. I was I was chuckling even I could even I could in, find it. The skyways in Rochester were anything but straight. <laughs> as as are the skyways in Minneapolis, but this really is straight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, that can be good. Yes. Um, okay. So, in case people want to know, the other question they ask is, um, you know, they've got the dates. Um, in case they want to make a reservation, although, you know, at this point in time, we, I mean, something could come up. I mean, we could have another variant come along, whatever. But Dan Spoon but you can still commented, make your reservations. Yeah, but Dan Spoon, Dan Spoon has commented that um, that they would that if there's any change from this, that they would need to make that change by the first of April. And yes, um, so you know they're aware that something could happen that would take this back to virtual. But with all of this planning and all of this work that's happened at this point, we certainly hope that you know, all of it can come to fruition. So tell us how people could make reservations if they wish to do so at this point. You can call the Hilton Hilton directly at 402-998-3400 and just let them know that you're making reservations for the American Council of the Blind conference. Or you can go to acbconvention.org, and that has a link to uh, make your reservations online if you would like to. Um, hotel rates are $96 a night plus tax, and um, they will charge one night. They say they will charge one night to your credit card prior to uh, when they make your reservation. Okay. All right. And if you also want to subscribe to the convention announce list, I haven't started really putting much stuff out there yet, but if you received convention-related items in 2021, you do not have to resubscribe. But if you'd like to be on this list, it's a one-way list. Send a blank email to acbconvention plus subscribe at acblists, L-I-S-T-S, Dot org, and that will subscribe you to the convention list. Okay. it's really good. Hey, thank you, Janet, for being All here. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Page three, Around the Kitchen, from allrecipes.com. Here are three articles with some useful information that we think you'll find of interest during this winter time. We hope you enjoyed them. Food storage tips from allrecipes.com How long do eggs last in the refrigerator? It's longer than the sell-by date lets on. This item was just posted on All Recipes on February 7, 2022. Eggs are one of the best foods to keep in the refrigerator for convenient meals and snacks thanks to their versatility and affordable price. 
Even so, sometimes you find yourself with more eggs than you can eat before the date on the carton. Do you toss them out? You don't have to. Read on to find out how long eggs last in the fridge and freezer and what you can do with eggs that are a little past their prime. When stored properly, eggs rarely go bad. Kept in the refrigerator at no higher than 40 degrees Fahrenheit, eggs last three to five weeks from the time you bring them home, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, USDA. They'll likely reach their sell-by date during this time, but you can keep eating them. The sell-by date doesn't mean eggs have expired. The best way to store eggs. 40 degrees Fahrenheit or less on an inside refrigerator shelf away from pungent foods in the original container. How long do eggs last in the fridge and freezer? Egg type. In the fridge. Raw eggs, whole, in shell, four to five weeks after pack date, about three weeks after purchase. Not recommended, raw eggs, lightly beaten, out of shell, up to two days. Raw egg yolks, up to two days. Raw egg whites, up to four days. Hard-boiled eggs in shell, up to one week. Not recommended. Hard-boiled eggs peeled, up to one week. Best if used in one day. How long do whole eggs last in the fridge? If whole eggs are stored in their original container, on an inside refrigerator shelf, and away from pungent foods like cheeses and onions, they can last four to five weeks after packing or about three weeks before the time or about three weeks from the time you buy them. However, eggs rarely go bad when stored and handled properly. That means they may be good to eat and cook with for several weeks after the sell by date. Egg yolks will last in the fridge up to two days. Egg yolks will become thinner and runnier once out of the shell and exposed to air. Egg whites will last in the fridge up to four days. They should be stored in an airtight container. Once out of the shell, egg whites will become thinner and less bouncy, but they're still safe to eat. Whether peeled or still in the shell, hard-boiled eggs last up to seven days in the refrigerator. However, peeled hard-boiled eggs may absorb odors from the fridge, so they're best if used within a day of cooking. Be sure to store peeled eggs in an airtight container or sealed bag. Unpeeled eggs do not need to be covered in the refrigerator as long as the temperature remains between 35 and 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Often printed below the sell-by date on a carton of eggs is a three-digit number 
that indicates which day of the year a carton of eggs was packed. This three-digit number, known as the Julian date, represents the consecutive days of a year. For example, 001 represents January 1, and 365 represents December 31. You can figure out which day the three digits represent using the USDA's online chart. The eggs will be good for at least five weeks after this date. The best way to know if an egg is unsafe to use is to use your eyes and nose. Does the egg have an unusual film or cracks in the shell? Toss it if so. Crack the whole raw eggs onto a plate and give it a sniff. A rotten or bad egg gives off a distinctive odor. If your egg has that stench, time to say goodbye. What can I do with old eggs? Old eggs aren't the same thing as bad eggs. Old eggs are often still safe to use in any number of dishes and recipes. But egg quality does decline over time, and the distinct high-rise yolk may be lost in eggs that have been hanging out in your fridge for a while. That's okay. Old eggs can still shine. For example, some people prefer to use older eggs when boiling. As the egg ages, the air pocket inside the shell grows larger, making it easier to peel. Use these eggs in egg salad, deviled eggs, or a quick snack. Old eggs are also great to mix up into dishes like casseroles and quiches, where their thinner consistency won't be noticed. Even scrambled eggs and omelets are okay for older eggs. They can spread out in the pan easier and whip up faster than fresher eggs. From AllRecipes.com Can you freeze cheese? How well does cheese fare in the freezer? Here's what you need to know. By Melanie Fincher Updated March 8, 2021 Can you freeze cheese? Freezing cheese is a great way to extend its shelf life, thereby saving you money and reducing waste. When you freeze cheese, tiny ice crystals form on the inside. When it's thawed, the water is released, causing the cheese to have a more crumbly texture. Hard cheeses are your best bet to freeze due to their lower moisture content. Since the texture is affected, stick to freezing cheeses that are meant to be used in cooked dishes. Wrap unopened cheese blocks in parchment paper and foil, then put it in a freezer bag before freezing. It's best to thaw frozen cheese of all types in the refrigerator for 7 to 8 hours per pound. And remember, shredded cheese for use on pizzas or casseroles can be cooked from frozen. I don't know about you, but I constantly find myself tossing moldy cheese before I even get around to using it. Until now, it seemed like a sad fact of life that I had to accept. But then I learned that you can freeze cheese 
Well, for some cooking purposes, at least. Curious? Keep reading to learn how you can freeze cheese to extend its shelf life, saving you money and frustration. Good news for all you cheese heads out there. Yes, you can freeze cheese. But is it a good idea? It's complicated. The quality of the cheese can change after being frozen and thawed, with some types changing more dramatically than others. But cheese is still perfectly safe to freeze for later use, so long as you're okay with a change in texture. Best and Worst Cheeses to Freeze When it comes to freezing, and a lot of other things, not all cheese is created equal. Hard and semi-hard cheeses are going to be your best bet due to their low moisture content and higher fat content. Some grated hard cheese, like Parmesan and Romano, can actually last up to 12 months in the refrigerator. It's best not to freeze these so you won't experience the loss in quality that comes with freezing. For best results, stick to freezing cheeses that are meant to be used in cooking dishes, like shredded cheeses or cheese slices designed for grilling, rather than those meant to be eaten fresh. If you do decide to freeze cheeses that are to be eaten fresh, remember their texture may become dry, crumbly, and even mealy. Best Types of Cheeses to Freeze Cheddar, Colby, Edam, Gouda, Limburger, Monterey Jack, Mozzarella, Provolone, pizza cheese, Swiss, and the worst types of cheeses to freeze are brie, camembert, cottage cheese, parmesan, paneer, queso fresco, ricotta, romano. How long does cheese last in the freezer? Frozen cheese should be used within six to nine months of freezing. You should not refreeze cheese that has been previously frozen and thawed. How to freeze cheese. Learn step by step how to freeze cheese, whether it's whole, shredded, or sliced. 1. How to freeze blocks of cheese. Leave blocks of cheese in its original packaging. Wrap it in parchment paper. By the way, parchment paper is available at most grocery stores. Follow by a loose covering of aluminum foil. Place in an airtight freezer bag or container to prevent freezer burn. Label the bags with the date and freeze for up to nine months. Two, how to freeze shredded cheese. Divide your shredded cheese into freezer bags and squeeze the air out. Label the bags and freeze for up to nine months. Three, how to freeze slices of cheese. Separate the slices using parchment paper. Store in an airtight container or bag. Label the bags and freeze for up to nine months. How to thaw frozen cheese. Thaw frozen cheese of all types in the refrigerator for seven to eight hours per pound. Shredded cheese for use on pizzas or casseroles can be cooked from frozen. 
Use within two to three days of thawing. The ultimate potato soup recipe for cold winter days. How to make the easiest, coziest potato soup ever. It's the chenille blanket of soups. Posted January 19, 2022. This ultimate potato soup recipe is the perfect warm and cozy soup you've been waiting for all winter long. This recipe comes together in one pot and takes less than 30 minutes to make. Hearty, cozy, and creamy potato soup is everything you need for a winning weeknight meal. Our easy one-pot recipe is loaded with the familiar flavors of bacon, garlic, cheese, and, of course, velvety potatoes cooked to perfection. Searching for a no-fail, family-friendly dish that hits the spot every time? Learn how to make home-style potato soup that your family will request over and over. Cut and crumble. Begin the process by cooking a half pound of bacon in a large pot or Dutch oven. After the bacon has been crisped, remove it and set it aside for crumbling. Leave three to four tablespoons of bacon grease in the pan to saute your onions, celery, and garlic. Cook on medium heat until the onions are translucent. After your vegetables have softened, add a generous amount of butter to the mixture and combine thoroughly. Next, whisk in one-fourth cup of flour. This will help to thicken the soup. And cook gently until no clumps are visible. The last step before simmering is adding cubed boiled potatoes and enough chicken stock to cover them completely. Check your soup at the 20-minute mark. You'll already have a soft and fragrant blend of flavors, but the best is yet to come. If you prefer a chunkier, more rustic potato soup, you'll stop here before adding your heavy cream. If you like it on the silkier side, scoop out half of the soup mixture, puree it in your blender, then return the blended soup back into the pot. Swirl in a cup of heavy cream before tasting and reseasoning. Be as creative with your toppings as you'd like though it's hard to beat the classic bacon, cheese, and chives trio. Each spoonful is a deliciously comforting taste of home that will keep this recipe in your rotation. For this recipe, the preparation takes 20 minutes, and you cook it for 30 minutes. So the total is 50 minutes. It makes 8 servings. The ingredients for 8 are 1 pound of bacon, chopped, two stalks of celery, diced, one onion, chopped, three cloves garlic, minced, eight potatoes, peeled and cubed, four cups of chicken stock, or enough to cover the potatoes, three tablespoons of butter, one-fourth cup of all-purpose flour, one cup of heavy cream, and one teaspoon dried tarragon, 3 teaspoons chopped fresh cilantro, salt and pepper. Directions Step 1. In a Dutch oven, cook the bacon over medium heat until done. Remove the bacon from the pan and set aside. 
Drain off all but one fourth cup of the bacon grease. Step two, cook celery and onion in reserved bacon drippings until onion is translucent, about five minutes. Stir in garlic and continue cooking for one to two minutes. Add cubed potatoes and toss to coat. Saute for three to four minutes. Return bacon to the pan and add enough chicken stock to just cover the potatoes. Cover and simmer until the potatoes are tender. Step three. In a separate pan, melt the butter over the medium heat. Whisk in the flour. Cook, stirring constantly for one to two minutes. Whisk in the heavy cream, tarragon, and cilantro. Bring the cream mixture to a boil and cook, stirring constantly until thickened. Stir the cream mixture into the potato mixture. Puree about one half of the soup and return to the pan. Adjust seasonings to taste. Nutrition facts per serving, 594 calories, 12.6 grams of protein, 44 grams of carbs, 41.5 grams of fat, 91.2 milligrams cholesterol, and 879.4 milligrams of sodium. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.